It's the Score North Twin Show. Oh, we are deep into the reckless speculation season here. You know, the the World Series ends, and it's just like instant roster moves and GM meetings. And then doesn't free agency technically open up like this week? Seven days after the World Series, right? So, yeah, the 31st, I think, or the 1st. So, yeah, we're like like this week. Now, it's not like other sports where it's just a flood of moves at... Five o'clock. You, We've you talked about this. Starting at five yeah. o'clock, it's like oh, hundred million dollars. <laughs> we wish it was that way for baseball. God, it'd be great if it was. It'd be so much fun if if they started it like November. Like if there was a set date, right? Like let's say it was they, they came out and declared it's going to start November tenth, and they had some they means do, of trying to right. No, but I'm saying if if they had some means of actually expediting signings. How much fun yeah. would that be? And you could put a whole days of programming on such a missed opportunity. You know what they could do? This is a, a fun little side street here. Like, because the other sports have structure in the NBA, a max contract is structured. You know what a max contract is. It's five years. And depending on your, you know, the, the amount of time in the NBA, it's either a super max or a max or a rookie max. So the question is just how many teams would offer that player a max, and then he, he doesn't have to sit around for five months and figure out where he wants to play. Right. In the NFL, it's the same way. Everyone's got a certain amount of cap space. You can sign guys to long contracts and stuff, but the cap space starts to go away, and so te- like players want to get in before the cap space is gone, and so it's like this frenzy. In baseball, there's no salary cap, so the negotiation is just, I'm Scott Boris, and you are a front office. I say, I think my client's worth $300 million over 10 years. And you're like, well, we disagree. We think it's more like $200 million over 10 years. And then we just stare at each other until (laughs) spring training, right? But if they were to say, for instance, okay, free agency opens up on uh, November 10th or whatever date they pick, that's when the offseason starts. If you don't sign a contract by... December 1st. So it'll be a three-week window. Mm-hmm. By December 1st, you can't sign a multi-year contract. It has to be, if you want to sign a multi-year contract, it has to be before December 1st. Mm-hmm. I'm just making this up right, right now. But I think that would expedite. Oh, God, if I don't sign a contract by December 1st, I'm only going to get a one-year deal. And so I better get my ass going, right? I'd love something like that. Yes, it'd be great. Okay. Create- I'll make a phone call to Rob Manfred then. And then the, the union, show. you got you got to call the union because the union's going to object to that, and then they're going to go back and forth for five years talking about this. Yeah, yeah. baseball man. So, well, all right. This is the Score North Twin Show here, and uh, it's our goal every week to present you with hot stove scenarios here. So let's give you the latest news, and then we'll give you some. Yes, there's oh, the burner right oh, there. That's a great dude. Hit that again. That's great. Oh, hot stoves. Don't get too close. You might get burned. And make sure to turn it off, too, after the episode. We don't want... We don't want the explosion sound to to follow it up. (laughs) So the Twins picked up the $10 million team options on Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, as expected. Charlie Walters, shooter, 
local insider for the Pioneer Press. My guy. He floated a nugget that once again, the, the annual uh, Yankees flirtation with Max Kepler has begun. That they're always looking for left-handed bats that can play some defense and maybe hit a ball in that short little alley in right field. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today, his son actually covers the Twins beat. So as a family, and Bob goes way back from Minnesota, as a family, they're very plugged into what the Twins are thinking. And he says the Minnesota Twins, who are losing free agent pitchers Sonny Gray and Kent Maeda, are planning to use their position player depth to acquire arms in trades this offseason. They also have interest in free agent center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer. We brought him up a couple weeks ago on a hot stove episode. And then I'll give you one more here from CBS Sports. There are a few teams that could have interest in Kepler and Polanco as a package deal. So just bringing both those guys <laughs> in in the same trade. The Mariners could use both, for example. The Blue Jays could make it work. So could the Red Sox. Individually, the Mets and AL Central rival Guardians also make sense for Kepler. And Seattle should be all over Polanco if they're only going to go after one of those two guys. So there is, uh, there's already some steam and some speculation about what they could do with these guys. But just in general, how do you guys feel about the Twins? They've, they've picked up the options, and now there's some credible reports that they're going shopping here. They're, they're going to be, especially at the GM meetings this week, that's where you start to take the temperatures. Uh, what do you make about Kepler-Polanco as sort of the, the centerpieces here going forward? I guess the thing that interests me most is the, the report um, that the Twins are going to use position players to try to get pitching. And I, I'm assuming Gray is gone. I'm, I'm assuming that I don't know that, that he wants to come back here. The fact that, that he that he was hugging teammates who were basically uh, starting to cry after his last game here leads me down the path that I think that this is going to be it for him. So um, it's a pipe dream to think he's going to accept the option from the Twins and just come back, which would be ideal, but he won't. So... What I make of this is, and, and my question is, beyond Polanco and Kepler, too, what are the chips that the Twins are going to take to market to try to get pitching? Because it's got to be pitching that you can trust, at least, right? It's got to be like top end. We're not talking about, oh, yeah, try to go get a fifth starter. We're talking about actually replacing Gray. And, you know, I go back to, okay, if we're talking about position players. Are we talking about beyond Polanco and Kepler? Are, are we talking about Kirloff? Um, I'm guessing Larnick is being, will be shopped, but I don't know that he brings you back a ton. Like you're going to have to, to get the type yeah. of pitcher we're talking about, the the price is not going to be cheap. Um, I would guess Brooks Lee is not going to be traded. And so, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure Jose Miranda's name will be brought up by the Twins. But again, that's not going to get you back what you what you want. So I'm very intrigued yeah. by who's available here uh, because I think it has to go well beyond Polanco and Kepler, who, if they are traded, have value. But teams are going to know that the Twins also are interested in dealing them. Like, who would the Twins deal from the list that they probably have secretly, but they aren't they aren't necessarily shopping them? Well, but I think I I actually think especially if you're looking to contend in 2024 and maybe 2025 guys like Kepler and Polanco can be valuable. And there's a, you know, this list of teams like the blue Jays are right there and the Mariners are right there. And you know, the the red Sox are trying to get back. Those teams are looking for good major league veteran players to, to get them back to 90 wins or 95 wins or whatever it is. 
and the Twins already have a bunch of second base options and a bunch of left-handed hitting corner outfield options. Right. So uh, to me, like when you bring up Larnick, Larnick, yeah, you're trading from a position of strength, but you're also like a little skeptical that he's a major leaguer. And so you're trying to like pawn him off or something. You know that Kepler's been wildly streaky and his first half was unplayable. But like at the end of the day, he's a he's a major league player. Polanco, when he's healthy, is a major league player. So I don't think it's as much about like, let's pawn these guys off and just like, you know, dump our trash on someone else's lawn. You're trading actual major league players here. So you wouldn't have to worry about like the you would know exactly what you're getting in a Jorge Polanco. And the question is, how many games is he going to play? But what, what right? type of pitcher does that get you is my question. What type of starter? I think it's going to take more than, than that. I, I don't think it's a, a a guy who has had injury problems for, what, two consecutive years now? I don't think you're going to get the type of starter that... Because, I mean, my expectation is you need to replace Gray. And it's not like trading Luis Arise, who had, what, three years of team control yes. left, I want to say? Yes, that for, was... Yeah, exactly. That's how you get a Pablo Lopez. Like, it stings to trade a guy like Luis Arise. Yes. And we had a bunch of conversations about that. Like man, and is this really the the route to get a number one or a number two starter? And they, I think they traded for a number two starter that they, to their credit, elevated to a number one starter. And Pablo Lopez is pretty open about that. But yeah, yeah it's it's not like you're trading a 25 year old Jorge Polanco with three or four years of team control, and now you might be getting the equivalent on the pitching side. It might be that you're looking for, and I do have a list for you guys here later in this episode. Maybe you're looking to trade one year of Max Kepler for one year of someone else's, you know, pitcher that's about to 29 mm-hmm. year old, who's about to be a free agent in, uh, you know, the winter of next off season. Dex. It's, it's more of a, like a Kepler Polanco might get you back something that's like valuable, but it's more of Judd brought up the secret list that, you know, they're not talking about. And those three names to me would be Julian Walner Kirloff would be on the secret list. Now I'm not saying they're actively shopping those guys and nor should they just pawn them away just to get, you know, some mid tier starter back. Those are the three guys that would help you push something over the top to get you something significant. You know, which one of those guys are the twins do they think is expendable? Is Matt Walner's power to them expendable? Is Julian's glove to them expendable? With Kirloff and injury histories, is that to them expendable? It's those three guys that probably are on the secret list, and they're not going to, again, I'm not suggesting this is not Griffin Jackson saying they should not be on the Twins roster next season, but I am suggesting that those are the three guys that other teams are probably calling about more for team control reasons and that the fact they've showed a little bit of, obviously, life in their early Major League career. So you're saying if uh, if I walk into the Twins trade restaurant and they Ooh. hand me a menu, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, which Twins players can I trade for? And there's a Jorge Polanco special, and then there's a Max Kepler special, and there's a Trevor Larnick and, uh, you know, whatever else. That there's, like, if you flip the menu over and it's blank, you're like, oh, that's all you guys have on this menu that you can actually, like, knock three times and, like, you know, wink and rub your mm-hmm. rub your forearm and they'll give you the, they'll give you the next menu, which what? includes Walner and mm-hmm. Julian. Okay. You bring up an interesting name, though, Dex, because I did th- think about this. As much as I like him, Julian's the one to me that I would be especially intrigued by. I it would be Kirloff, but he's hurt too much. Like if I'm if I'm a team, um, but Julian's a guy. I, I mean, it's sort of the as a different player to a certain point. It's sort of the arise scenario again, right? It's very. It would be very similar. Like yep. you don't really have similar. a position, but you're certainly good enough to play. So we're not going to not play you. You've got a ton of team control left. 
left-handed bat, and you have a lot of left-handed bats. And Brooks Lee is coming up, and let's say he's going to play second base. But at the same time, Julian is one of the biggest on-base guys that they have in the organization. Yeah, and I this agree. is a team that doesn't yeah. have a lot of like big-time on-base guys. He's a he's a keep-the-chains-moving, take-good-at-bats, wear pitchers out. That's what I worry about. And he, he said, well, is it kind of fluky? You know, he had a big first seat. Denard Spann kind of did that in his first year or two, and then the league kind of figured him out. And they also moved from the Metrodome to Target Field, and a lot of those ground balls that would skip through did not skip through at Target Field. But if you look at, like, I'll use Denard as an example because he was a left-handed hitter. Denard's minor league track record was not filled with, like, big on-base season. It's like he got to to the Metrodome and kind of took advantage of pitchers not really knowing who he was and also just skipping balls off the turf. Julian, I don't think... I don't think he's an on-base fluke. If you look at his minor league track record, here are his on-base percentages at every level. High A and low A in 2021, a 434 on-base percentage. Absurd. 2022, a 441 on-base percentage at double A. And then 2023, in the 40 games he played for AAA St. Paul, a 435 on-base percentage. It was 381 in the major leagues. I think you got to be careful trading. And Arise is a big on base guy too. You got to be careful trading these on base machines because it's hard to. It's easy to find corner outfielders that can hit twenty five home runs. It's not easy to find infielders that can get on base at a four hundred clip on a regular basis. He's the one of the three of the three secret menu. You know that in and out secret menu that's not being broadcast to the public, but if you know it, you can get on it. He's the one of the three that I would be the least uh, likely to trade. I would want. I I need OBP at this point in this lineup. They, they, I agree with you. You, totally. you can, you can get like again. I don't. I'm not saying you sell pennies against like Matt Walner, but like I can replace Matt Walner in a lineup. I, yes. I, I have a tougher time replacing a guy who's yes. flirting with a 400 OBP at the top of my order for a team that already struggles with getting on base yeah. a ton. You know, it's also interesting that Bob Nightingale brought up Kevin Kiermeyer's name as a free agent center fielder. So we we brought his name up. We did a sort of a, you know choose your own adventure episode about the center field position. And Michael A. Taylor is a free agent. You could bring him back if you wanted to. Kevin Kiermeyer, even though he's thirty three, going to be thirty four years old, is still one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. The metrics would show you that Michael A. Taylor is a really good defensive center fielder. Kiermeyer is an even better defensive center fielder, and Kiermeyer gets on base like forty points more than. Uh, than Michael A. Taylor. And I know Taylor hits a few more home runs, but again, like you can't have a guy in your lineup that's getting on base at a 275 clip. That's that's an automatic out, and you can't... I don't think 20 home runs over the course of a season really makes up for that. So, And Kiermaier will get you 10 home runs, but he's a left-handed batter. So some of this is like, okay, if you bring in a left-handed hitting center fielder, and now you've got left-handed hitting guys at every outfield spot as yep. your roster is currently constructed. Yep. If 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 they're serious about Kiermaier, they probably have to trade a Kepler or a Walner or maybe both or a Kirloff because now it's like a left-handed heavy lineup to a fault last year is even more left-handed heavy, right? So it would be like a domino of moves if they brought in Kiermaier. Absolutely. I, I just think to get the type of pitcher that we're talking about, it's probably going to come at a price that, that a lot of people don't like. Now, now if they're going to not do that, then it's then it's going to be a lesser price. But, you know, the expectations here, I think, going into spring training should be very high again. And, and you know, 
Sonny Gray, what he did was damn impressive. And if you don't replace that, I don't think that the Chris Paddock thing, oh, man, did, did you see how he did in relief in the playoffs? Well, that's great, but he's coming off two Tommy Johns, and that concerns me. The other thing is if Kiermaier's the guy, and I do, I mean, he is really good defensively too, that leads to one huge question. What is Buxton going to do? Because is, is he now going to be moved to, to a corner? You don't sign Kevin Kiermeyer to have Byron Buxton play a lot in center field, if at all. You know, you could easily, if, if you still have the pipe dream of putting Buxton in the outfield, you might as well cross-train him left, center, right field. Just, again, Denard okay, brought up Denard Span's name. Denard Span, sorry, you're going to play right field now because Carlos Gomez is playing center. I'd probably play right. So. I'd probably have but don't right. bank on it, right? Oh you no, no. Be like your, your but I mean, Kiermaier means you you have no intention of Byron Buxton ever playing center field again. Probably. I do have a list of five trade candidate starting pitchers from CBS oh, Sports here. This. this sounds like reckless speculation. I don't know if I enjoy reckless speculation. Oh, oh God, the house it blew up! Oh my God! Oh, no. Wait, do that again. Okay, you hit yours. I'll hit mine. It's gone too far. Be careful. Be careful. It's gone too damn far. This list of five starting pitching trade candidates presented by our friends at Summit Orthopedics, gentlemen. If you are a pitcher or not a pitcher, but you got elbow pain, you got some, you know, maybe it's wrist pain. I got pain from waving the flag for the Vikings win. Judd waved the flag about six times, and now he's got a Brad Radke frayed labrum he's dealing with. It's tough. No referrals are needed, and Summit Orthopedics offers same-day appointments. If you're really hurting, they also uh, also offer urgent care, walk-in urgent care from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's for orthopedic urgent care. 25 locations in the Twin Cities and greater Minnesota. You can learn more at summitortho.com. That's summitortho.com. And a shout-out to our friends at Park Tavern, Judd. That's the... uh, that's the trademark signature neighborhood bar of the sports dad, Judd Zelgad himself. Exactly right. In fact, you know what, folks? When when sports dad goes to drink his favorite beer, a Surly, he's going to one place, Park Tavern, right down the street from me in SLP, Louisiana Avenue South. And Park Tavern is your, not just sports dad headquarters, it is your sports headquarters because they've got all of the games. And if you want to watch those games in you know in some type, type of group, like your, a college get-together um, or you've got a fan, a, a team beyond the Vikings, perhaps that you are a fan of. Park Tavern can accommodate your group, and I'm talking big groups. I'm talking sixty. I'm talking seventy. They can accommodate those groups, and they've got plenty of space. They've got bowling. They've got two bars. Park Tavern is your place to go for sports, for great food, for great drinks, for bowling. Uh, go to their. In fact, to book a group, go to their website, ParkTavern.net. ParkTavern.net. You can book your group. You don't even have to call. It makes your life as easy as can be. Park Tavern, I'll see you there to watch some sports, drink some beer, and eat some great food. All right, five starting pitcher trade candidates via a CBS Sports list that came out here over the weekend. I like it. They have a list of like 25 overall players that could be up for trade. Like Mike Trout's on the list, and there's a bunch of guys. So I'm just going to go through this. You guys tell me, what is your level of interest? in the Twins exploring a trade for these starting pitchers. Yeah. I think this would assume that they aren't bringing Sonny Gray back. Right. Because right now they've got Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Chris Paddock is going to get a shot in the rotation. So those are, I mean, Bailey Ober is going to be in the rotation. So without Sonny Gray, you kind of have one spot to play with. 
Um, so we'll assume that Sonny Gray would be gone. Brewers right-handed starter Corbin Burns. Oh, boy. He was the 2021 Cy Young Award winner in the National League. He'd be 29 years old for the 2024 season. And he would be a one-year rental. He made about $10 million in arbitration last year. So, you know, whatever, bump it up to $14, $15 million, somewhere in there. Corbin Burns. And I will say the Brewers would probably be look. I don't want to speak out of turn here. Uh, Brewers fans might disagree, but like Brandon Woodruff had shoulder surgery. That's going to wipe him out for the entire year next year. Right. So if Woodruff is out and if they're trading Corbin Burns, I would think that they, they would be aiming for like prospect level talent. Right. I don't, I don't think you would be calling them saying, Hey, you want to swap Max Kepler and something else for no. Corbin Burns? I would think they'd be going into kind of a, a little bit of a rebuild mode with this trade. They would want the secret list. This would this would require me opening up my drawer, which by the way is locked. So I get I get my little key, I open up my drawer, I pull out my n- notebook, and I read the secret list. This one I think would cost you a Julian type of trade. See, I don't know if I can trade like five years of Julian. For I agree with one you. One year of a Corbin Burns, but, no. but I can't do that. To what you're saying, the Brewers are not going to take less here, or they're not going to take flyers on veterans that they don't necessarily want. Um, I probably this is probably too rich for my blood because while I like Burns and he he would be a very nice pickup. I think it would cost you a lot, and I would be fine with that if it wasn't for one year. So this one probably I would have to end up passing on uh, based on the Brewers' ask. But if it's also you get him and you potentially sign him to an extension after acquiring him, do you feel a little bit better about giving up a Julian if you're going to lock up Corbin Burns to like a three- to four-year contract beyond this year? I do. Yeah, and, and the other factor here, too, would be, like, let's say you were to use Julian as a chip in a trade like this. Maybe, the, and there's some other pitchers on this list that might make even more sense. Then you would probably keep Polanco for the year at $10 million so mm-hmm. that you have a buffer between, because Brooks Lee isn't guaranteed to be ready to be a starting second baseman for a playoff team yet, right? We're right. kind of assuming that. Right. Julian came in right away, and he was, like, hitting major league pitching. Brooks Lee might need an adjustment period. So th- if you did something like that, you would probably keep Polanco. I'll keep going through here. You guys can kick these names around your head. Shane Bieber, hmm. right-handed, once-dominant right-handed starter for the Guardians. This obviously would be an in, uh, in in-division trade here, which makes it complicated. But he'll be 29 years old. He's coming off just kind of a weird, bad injury plague season. Yeah. Cy Young Award winner a few years ago. He'd be a one-year rental. He was $10 million last year in arbitration. And here's what CBS writes. You needn't, needn't, that's a great word. You needn't look back too far to see the last time Cleveland traded its ace coming off an injury plague season. Four years ago, they sent Corey Kluber to Texas for a package that included Emmanuel Classe. Kluber was a year away from free agency at the time, like Bieber is now. Uh, Shoulder trouble limited Bieber to 128 innings this season. And in those 128 innings, he set new career lows in strikeout rate, swinging strike rate, Average fastball velocity and uh, also had the lowest fastball whiff rate in baseball in 2023. So you'd be buying low and risky on Shoulder. Shane Bieber for one year. I'm out. Shoulder. Can't do that. Not against it. Cleveland does this. So they did it with Clevinger uh, in the pandemic season, too, who was coming off a really good season. Now, they probably were potentially right to get rid of him at that time. But 
they do this like Cleveland does and they don't they don't pay people. They, they, they I know they just hired Craig Council to be their new manager. Um, I wouldn't be against this. I don't know what the comp is. Probably again similar maybe to Corbin Burns, but I'm not against this. But people less be less people just although get, there may be a division tax. Right? Shoulder, exactly. shoulders scare me way too That's much. Where you guys. I, I I just bad shoulders. You that that can be it. Yeah, more in on Burns than I am Shane. Bieber. Yeah, I would agree with that. Here's another interesting one. It's another in division trade. But right-handed starter Dylan Cease from the White Sox. Hmm. So 28 years old, two years of team control. So you'd get him for 2024 and 2025. One of the biggest strikeout starting pitchers in baseball the last few years. He finished second in Cy Young voting, if you remember, in 2022. The wheels came off for, for pretty much everyone in the organization. Yeah, I'm last not year. holding that against Dylan Cease. Train wreck organization. Yes. And CBS writes, the White Sox have a new head of baseball operations, Chris Getz, and trading your ace is a difficult move to make in your first offseason at the helm. But then again, the White Sox need help all over their roster, and trading Cease may be the quickest way to get that help. Is he still on the roster the next time Chicago makes the postseason? Probably not. So Getz should entertain trade offers. This would cost you a Julian-level player, right? Yes. They would be asking, especially in division. Oh, boy. But, what, man. What's the contract again? So he's he's under contract for two more years mm. of, of, like, arbitration team control. Mm. So he's probably be looking at maybe 8 to $10 million this year. I'd have to go look deeper. But so you've got more, less than Sonny Gray. So you've got more certainty, though, on tenure with team uh, mm-hmm. th- than you do with Burns. Correct. Because the one Burns thing year. I'd love, but it's just it's it'd be one and done. And... Oh, yeah, this would cost you a Julian. But, I mean, here's my problem. I don't want to make that trade, but I think we have to think in those terms. Because, like, the old fan thing is, ah, hey, get Dylan Cease. Who can you send him? Send him Polanco and, you know, some slappy who's ranked eighth in your farm system. Uh, Yeah. God, this would be intriguing. And I don't want to trade Julian. I would rather cross-train Julian as a first baseman. Yeah. So that you could put Brooks Lee at second base, then then trade Julian because I think Ju- Julian, when stacked up against first baseman last, people might think what Julian's not a first baseman. Look at him, that's dude. His OPS and weighted on base average yeah. would have been like top five or top six among all first basemen last year. Yep. So and they've started that process of cross training. Yeah, he's yeah. he's played there some. I mean, um, so what's the price here? What Phil? What what's your hy- hypothetical <sighs> price on Dylan Cease? God. The in division tax is in play here. I mean, they're going to ask for Brooks Lee, but you got You got to probably say yep. no on that. Yep, that's nope. So Declan says no. That's, that's nope. Would you, would you trade Kirloff? Yes. Yep. Be like what three or four, three four years of mm-hmm. Kirloff. I would. Injury yes. uncertainty. It'd yep. be like Kirloff plus something else. Correct. Or Julian straight up. Four year, five years of Julian straight up for two years of Dylan Cease. I'd rather trade Kirloff and something else if I could do that trade. The thing with Kirloff is the injuries are going to, they're going to make teams think. It would have to be Kirloff plus something like, like not a throw in. It would be like someone from your top ten prospects list, not named Brooks Lee. I'd rather do that than Julian. Okay. How about this one? Right-handed starter Logan Gilbert from the Mariners. So this one might sound weird because he has four years of team control. He turns 27 years old in May, so he's like fairly young con- compared to some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. He's a former 14th overall pick in the first round. 
just a rock solid innings eating starting pitcher doesn't really walk anybody at this point. He's a really good mid rotation guy, like a number three, number four, like he'd just be really reliable. CBS writes, do we believe the Mariners will trade Gilbert who has emerged as an above average workhorse and is under team control through 2027? No, but this is uh this is something where there was rumblings about Gilbert at the trade deadline. Seattle does have an enviable amount of young pitching and trading from that surplus to address their other needs has to be on the table. They also speculated that Seattle could be interested in Jorge Polanco and or Max Kepler. So, but you're going to, I mean, this is four years of team control on a potential playoff rotation starting pitcher. So you're going to, this would be like an Edward, this would be like a Luis Arise, Pablo Lopez kind of a situation. Get this, you guys. So the last, his three years starting in 2021 with the M's, uh, 24 starts, 32 starts, 32 starts. Yeah, and 200 innings. Oh, yeah, this intrigues me. 119, yep, yep, you're right. Um, All right, could I do? You'd you'd have to trade, and they'd be looking for a major leaguer. So this would be, you'd be trading either Kirilov or Julian. Kirloff plus something else, very good, or five years of Julian for four years of Gilbert would would be the more likely. Julian would make me think uh, long and hard, but if I could do Kirloff and again, uh, um, a guy in my top 10 prospect pool, I would do that for this, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't be against it. I don't know. I'm much more intrigued, honestly, by Corbin Burns or even Cease. I know Gilbert's under control and, is a little cheaper, but he's also gonna. I think he's gonna cost a lot more. I think he's gonna cost gonna cost a pretty penny. So I'd rather. I think I'd rather go for someone else. Wait. So you wait. Wait. No, he's not. He's not a free agent for four more years. Are you yep. saying arbitration expensive? Yeah. He's well. No. He's going to be under team control, and they're not actually going to give up. Like the Twins oh. are going to have to give up significant stuff to get him. I'm saying it would be Julian for Gilbert. Is what the that would be the trade. Right, I mean, it would be yeah, unless you disagree with that. Yeah, I, I think they'd want more, and I, I also don't think I would do that trade for him. I wouldn't give okay. up Julian to get Gilbert. The Mariners, uh, they do struggle to get on base a little bit. They're like a league average on base team. You know, they've had. Uh, we'll see. I'm interested in it, but I just i I hate that Julian is like the trade. Sorry, piece, sorry, so. we got to go there. And then I'll give you one more here. It's the it's the most underwhelming, but right-hander Paul Blackburn from the Oakland Athletics. So uh, he's 30 years old. He's a, He is a former first-round pick. He had a career-high strikeout rate last year. His slider improved. And he's under team control for two more years. He only made $2 million in arbitration last year with Oakland. He wouldn't, he'd be like your number four, number five starter. He would kind of slide in. You'd need other guys to elevate. Yeah. Uh, CBS Sports said, quote, with an uninspiring free agent pitching market, Blackburn will appeal to clubs looking to solidify the back of the rotation, and the A's won't hesitate to unload the $3 million or so that he's projected to earn through that process. So this would not cost you, I mean, you ain't going to give up Brooks Lee or Edward Julian. This does nothing for me, though. Like, yeah, if, if you can get this kid for cheap or this guy for cheap, that's fine. But, I mean, this yeah. does not... I, I think this team needs to come very close to, if not replace, Sonny Gray. And this doesn't do it, obviously. N- not unless it, he came here and took off, but I don't think that, that that can be counted on. That's probably more pie in the sky. So um, not that I would object to trying to acquire a guy like this, but this, to me, can't be your Sonny Gray replacement move. 
Fun fact, yeah. he was uh, traded to the Oakland Athletics for Danny Valencia, according to Baseball Reference. That. Danny Valencia you know. has, has you be- seen become Twitter? the baseball sixth degree of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, have, have you seen his Twitter? Please. Danny Valencia's Twitter, his tweets? No. And when we're finished with the recordings today, go to Danny Valencia's Twitter and just see all the rifling of takes he's doing uh, post-World Series and also across the world things that are going on. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I could see that. Oh, if I wanted. He had, a, he had a little bit of Uncle Rico in him that said he would have, if he would have made the World Series, he knew he would have done something special. It was very Danny Valencia. Danny, it was, dude, it, dude it's, it's something. It's very Uncle I'm I a thought, Danny Valencia guy, but dude. Give that man a corner locker. Yeah. Damn it. Ah, Terry. It, was, it was something. It's he's something. He's something. So, well, let us know in the YouTube comment section. Do any of those pitchers and the price that would potentially go along with acquiring them do anything for you if the Twins don't bring back Sonny Gray? Um, it's time now for an Immaculate Grid Challenge here on the Score North Twin Show. Speaking of Danny, where... yeah, hmm? see here. Speaking of Swaggy, oh, he might be Swaggy. He might be an option here. We'll pop this up on the screen for the visual YouTube audience. It's kind of an old school grid here. Oh, there you go. Old school. There's a Valencia connection. Yep, there is. We should use him for sure. So we're looking for an Oriole who was a pirate, an Oriole who was an A, and an Oriole who was a White Sox. I like this one. We're looking for a Yankee who was a pirate, a Yankee who was an A, and a Yankee who was a White Sox. And then we're looking for a pirate who K'd 200 guys in a season, an A who K'd 200 guys in a season, and a White Sox who K'd 200 guys in a season. Okay. Dylan Cease actually might have done that. So we'll put uh, five minutes on the clock here just to be just to be responsible and snappy. No cheating for those of you playing at home. For you, swag. Uh, should we start here? with Danny Valencia and the A's? <laughs> sure. The A's Orioles bin. What are we thinking? One percent. Point five percent. Point five percent. Let's go. White Sox in Baltimore. Steve Stone. Let's go. Yes. From the 70s. That's going to be pretty low, right? Into the early 80s. Yeah, that or uh, I was actually thinking um, Tommy, but that also might be high. He went to the birds at the end. Mm-hmm. He did go to the birds at the end. And Steve Sachs? Stone. 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 Stevie Sachs played for the okay. Yankees. Okay. There and the White Sox. Four. Nice. Four percent. Steve Sachs played for the Yankees and the White Sox. Should we use Steve Sachs and Steve Stone? Oh, I like it. Yankees and White Sox. Good call. Yes. He played for the Yankees, right, Judd? I know he played for the White oh, Sox. Yeah. Yep. I, used to, yep. I used to use him as a stolen base guy in my first ever baseball video game for yep. Game Gear. Yep. Oh, 1%. Oh, yeah. He played because he he was a Dodger Yankee, and then I think he just finished up in Chicago, right? I think so. Yeah, okay. it was like early 90s. Yankees uh, and like A's and Pirates is going to be a ton of slappies who got who the who the Pirates and A's couldn't afford and then just gave to the Yankees. Uh, he might be high, but uh, Carlos Lee for Birds and Pirates. First baseman, Derek Lee. Derek Lee, not Der- Carlos Derek Lee. Lee. Derek Lee, wrong Lee. That might be high, though. I mean, yeah, I mean. Think so? Why? Uh, I don't like- think, I mean, Derek Lee is not identifiable at all as a Pirate, so. Yeah, I think that's going to be low. That would be. Eric, he spelled it weird. He spelled it weird. It's R R I. It this is a guy named Judd. Or right? Or yeah, e. it's there we D- go. Oh, yeah, it's this one. One. Nice. Yeah. He is not I don't know. Okay. There he is. Cub. Identifiable as a cub. 
Okay, the highest one for uh, Yankees and Pirates is going to be Garrett Cole, obviously. Yeah. It's an older school. I think of like 200. I'm, I'm thinking of 200 K oh, pitchers did, here too. Did uh, did Dougie baseball play for the Yankees? Minkavich? Did he play for the Pirates at the end? I think he did. I think he went. That I, would be. I think he was a Yankee. He was, was oh, he a Yankee. At he's the kind end? of. I a, feel like we've we've used him before. Yeah, as a Yankee. He he, he definitely bounced around. Should I pull it? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. All right, I'll do it. Dougie baseball. You're right. Give it to me. Point two. Point, Point two. two. Look Let's at that. Go. Nice. Nice work. Let's go. All right. 200, real quick. 200K. There's a, we could, there's Yankees and A's we can come back to. Reggie Jackson's going to be one of the highest ones there. Uh, Lariano um, did it. Oh, 200K. With okay. which team? Pirates. With uh, Pirates. His research. He, he had like a big yeah. bounce back season with the Pirates. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm fine with using Francis, Francisco. Nine. Why? Well, okay. Mm. All right. A's. A's had some great. Frankie Montas. Pitchers. Trying Vita to think blue. Of... Yeah, gonna I was going to say, Catfish Hunter. Is two is two hundred the one that, that a lot of guys didn't reach? Well, from the old days, compared to three hundred, uh, more reached it. But no, but I'm, I'm saying like back two, in the 200, day. Back in the day, this is the conundrum. Back in the day, guys pitched more innings, but, but their strikeout out. rates were way lower. Right. So it's kind of a math equation. Now, right. in the, the the sweet spot for this is like 90s into early 2000s because you had random dudes like like Corey Lytle. Like, I don't know. That, he might not have hit 200, but guys who were pitching 200 innings Got and their strikeout rates were, yeah. were above one per inning. Like Zito's so. going to be too high. Mulder? Mulder, Zito, Hudson were all kind of... Mulder, those guys all no. probably did it. If Vita Blue did it, is he going to be high still, or do people not remember him? I think it He's might not going to be above 20%. He'll probably be single digit. So so Zito, um, Rich Harden, I think, did it Ooh. once with the A's. Harden, that might be Montaz did it. Yeah, Montage Frankie. definitely did it. Um, that's really recent. I feel like there's a collection of, of like 2010 to 20 A's. Like Sonny actually didn't become a really good strikeout pitcher until he left Oakland. Like Sonny was a good pitcher. I'm not saying he was a bad pitcher, but he wasn't a heavy strikeout guy. He was a good pitcher. Or an, in, or an innings guy. Or an innings guy. So I don't think he did it. Otherwise, I would have used said Sonny. Yeah. Rich Harden was one of the biggest strikeout oh, pitchers, but his 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 injuries and innings would make me question whether he got to two hundred. Arizona, but, I, but he was a huge strikeout. Chicago. Oh man, I mean that would be a great pull. Those staffs that that they had that Billy Martin had in the early eighties, he abused their arms. But I don't know that those guys yeah. got to two hundred. Like Mike Norris it, started it, a ton of games. Rick Langford. Uh, another guy, another guy uh, that had a good year or two was Dan Heron with the Oakland oh, A's. Also a good one. I like Dan Heron. He was a strikeout guy a little bit too. You know, if you want to gamble, Rich Harden would be the gamble because he's probably not going to be much more than about five percent. I'd do it. He was a huge strikeout guy. Let's see if we got it. One time. One time. Dang it. Nope. <sighs> Let's try Vita Blue. Dude won an MVP. Yeah. As a pitcher. Yeah. 
26. Oh, my God. 26%. Oh, so there must not be. That tells you there's actually not that many age, age pitchers. Yeah, that... exactly right. Okay. All right. Johnny Damon? Well, Johnny Damon. Yeah, just put Johnny, Johnny Damon in. Just, Damon, yeah. But that's fine. Yeah, there we ah. go. All right. All right. Well, good try, you guys. We all we all agree yeah, that Richard. Nine. Ten. Damn. Yeah, Frankie, know. Zito, Todd, Stottle. What is this guy? Stottlemyre. Stottlemyre. There's only been two since 2000. Okay. Todd Stottlemyre. Mel's kid. Mel's kid picture. Who are the Pirates? Is, is Do you have a list? Pirates. Uh, Mitch Keller this year. I have no idea who that is. Uh, Garrett Mitch Cole. One of, the, one, of the, one of their top prospects a few years ago. Liriano. A.J. Burnett did it once. Oliver Perez <laughs> did it yeah, once. Oh, my God. Bob Veal. Bob Veal. Oliver Perez is a, is a good one. Yeah, Oliver Perez is uh, a good one. Met, Mets, Pirates. Yeah, that's actually that's a good call. All right. Well, we're a little rusty. We haven't done this together in a while. Teams. I will say, I wish that they would put one. the weekend. The weekend versions are oh, so much easier best. to go low. The That's... weekend versions are like you can go like under twenty rarity scores, especially oh. if the three of us were combined. That Saturday one was so fun. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of different random categories. Judd that hates, Judd it, hates but, but I don't. Yeah. yeah, I don't like that stuff. Sorry, guys. So, well, hey, this is your off-season fix of hot stovery here on the Scorn Earth Twin Show. We'll be doing this every week minimum and oftentimes multiple times per week into the uh, November, December hot stove weeks. And we'll keep it, keep tabs on all the rumors and speculation out there. Love the show. Oh, right there. Oh, oh right by the fire. It's hands. so nice. What could go wrong? No, just don't let a, don't let a match. We'll see you next time on the score North twin show. Sweet. All right. Can you, t-